You know, the offseason is off to a weird start when the Guardians are claiming players off the Pittsburgh Pirates roster. Guardians don't have a manager, and Austin Hedges is making questionable World Series parade fashion choices. We're going to talk about all that and three things the Guardians can learn from the world champion Rangers on today's Lockdown Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Guardians. I'm your host, Justin Latta. Uh, we are free everywhere you get podcasts, including on YouTube and Fast Channels and all the good stuff. We want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day. We also want to thank you for trying out FanDuel. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers are going to get a $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. Bucks. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get started. Well, if you're listening, you've only heard my voice so far. I'm Justin Latta. And if you're watching on YouTube, you notice I'm solo. Uh, Jeff has got the night off. I was off the other day, and it's the off season, so we're going to do things a little bit differently. Even in, even though that is the off season, uh, we got your team covered every day. We got the Guardians covered every day. The schedule will shift at some point. We've got you know four and five days a week throughout the month of November, except for the week of Thanksgiving, and then December will probably shift to like three ish days a week. We'll we'll see where that comes in, but we're here for you every day. Whenever there's a big announcement, we're still waiting for a big announcement at this point. Uh, one of these days. The uh, Chris Anthony is going to emerge, hopefully, from behind a cloud of white smoke and uh, announce the new manager for the Guardians. Uh, we, you know, I think a lot of people thought they'd have a manager by now, honestly. Uh, if you listen to a lot of uh, insiders, and that's not to say none of the insiders did a good job. I mean, I sp- specifically, I think the athletic, Zach, Ken, and then Andre Nana in, in multiple places, uh, all, you know, kind of originally thought we'd have a manager name by now for the Guardians. And that's not to say they were wrong or anything like that and, and bad reporting. It's just the information change. That's something to consider sometimes is that the information changes. And this all has to do with 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 Craig Council, as we've said on the show multiple times already, is that uh, most people thought the Guardians have a manager name because they didn't think Craig Council was going to enter the fray. And here he is. And, hey, the Mets are, you know, maybe they're doing due diligence there. They're hired, They're interviewing Carlos Mendoza, I believe, twice. Uh, I think Mark Katze's name has been thrown around as well for the Mets I've seen. So yeah, maybe they're doing the due diligence. Look, there's a lot of people that are in on, on Craig Council. Milwaukee wants him back. The Mets want him. Cleveland wants him. The Astros are said to be interested in Craig Council, not just they've not announced any interest in Ron Washington or any of those old guys. Uh, a lot of people want him. So this look, the fact that this whole thing is being held up to me suggests that there's at least a chance. Is it slim? Maybe. I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen here. He's going to be the highest paid manager, which is, which is wild because he's a good manager. He's obviously in demand. So there's no reason you shouldn't pay him when you're in demand. Like he is, you're going to get paid. And and I know I've seen reports too, that says Craig council wants to raise the floor uh, for managerial salaries and good for him. Why not? He's, he's a good manager. Is he Tito? I don't know. I mean, of course, you know, people are going to say they have ups and downs with Tito, but 
he still was was a good manager and had a lot of impact behind closed doors and and not just during the games, right? So I don't know enough about that side of Craig Council, but most people think he's a good manager, so he's probably worth worth the money. We're gonna we're gonna find out. I mean, Bruce Bochy probably is is looking pretty good right now to a lot of people. I mean, he's got three World Series rings or four World Series rings now with two different teams. Um, so good for him. Maybe he deserves to be the highest paid one. I don't know. One of these days we're going to figure it out. But the fact that we've gotten this far down the road without a manager and council still in play, I think still says there's a shot. I don't know. Again, I don't know. Not handicapping the race and saying there's a great shot, but they got this far down the road with him and they've delayed their decision this long to keep themselves in contention to get Craig council as their manager. So that to me suggests anything else. There's some sort of chance. I feel like, if he wasn't going to be the guy at this point, then we would have known by now. So I think there's still a good chance. We're, that'll be the first thing that Cleveland has to cross off the offseason now that the offseason is officially here. If you didn't hear, Austin Hedges says he is going to uh, uh, go into the Rangers parade with the bottomless chaps pants. So uh, take that as you will. I, I said after the World Series was over, I wanted a camera on Austin Hedges at all times to enjoy his World Series celebration because he was going to become such a quite a fan favorite and, and good for Austin Hedges. Um, I don't know that I need a camera following him around in, in the the in the parade if that's his uh, choice of attire. <laughs> I guess we're going to find out. The offseason's here, though, so there's, there's going to be a lot to discuss. Roster moves, which we got talk, wanted to talk about today. Like I said, we're going to talk about a couple things the Guardians can learn from the Rangers. Really just all baseball, not just the Guardians. Um, and a couple other things. The only thing, the offseason being here, the offseason to me used to be such a a boring, desperate time. When I was younger, I would dread the offseason being here. I would, I don't know, I, I would just do whatever I could to get through the offseason. I'd be watching uh, all the baseball movies. I'd watch, you know, I used to have the DVD box set that my dad bought years ago of the uh first 10 years of progressive or Jacobsville history, as it were, um, which was like 94 to, to 2004. Those DVDs were fun. Let me know if you had that box set too. I used to watch the heck out of those. And then I'd spend the off season watching, you know, major league I'd watch uh fever pitch was always a favorite of mine. You got Moneyball. Those are, those are great movies. You know, bull Durham is, is a good one. I didn't get into love of the game until the last, uh, dozen years or 10 years or so, but that was, that's been a great movie. I really started to enjoy, but I was in college, man. When the, the off season got here and the world and the world series was over, I was always super bummed and, and would watch anything baseball related um, that I couldn't, like I said, major league, I, you know, all major league movies. So I'd watch one, two and three. And you know, it's kind of controversial. So people don't like the second one. The second one was, it was all right. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't great, but I, I found that entertaining enough. And Major League Three, I think almost nobody saw. But I got to be honest, I thought Major League Three was pretty good, and I've always, always loved Fever Pitch. So those movies always got me through the off season. Now, as I'm older, I probably watch those things a little bit less. I get through the off season watching, you know, Ohio State football and you know some hockey here and there, and doing some other things. And but now we have this, you know, on the podcast and. There's stuff to think, talk about every day in terms of the Guardians offseason and, and the baseball offseason in general. Um, I'm kind of glad it's here. I'm kind of glad the season's over because now we can really start to dive in on a bunch of topics. We can talk about the manager when the day finally comes, when it finally gets here. I think it's got to it's be soon. It's got to be any day now. Uh, I don't know what uh, what day we're on at this point 
of the managerial search, but it feels like it's just got to happen any day. But they're going to wait out the whole council thing and, and see what happens, and we'll be here to cover all of that, plus other good stuff that's going to happen this offseason. You know, the any trades, any free agent signings will be here <clears throat> for all of that. We've got our first acquisition of the offseason for the Guardians, and boy, is it a strange one. You don't often see the Guardians clean players off the Pirates roster. Usually it's the other way around. Um, let's get to know the Guardians. New, I don't want to say the Guardians' newest player. Let's just say, because who knows what, if he'll even be here, you know, come winter time or even springtime. But uh, let's get to know the Guardians' newest roster member coming up in just a second. Before we get to know the Guardians' newest roster member, you need to get to know no, FanDuel. And you can score early this season. We're about halfway through the league year, though, so it's not early in the season anymore. Uh, but you can score big with America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel, because right now, customers, new customers, you're going to get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Very easy to use. Uh, things have been getting weird for the Browns. They, you know, lost a game that yeah, they probably had a chance to win, but they didn't. And that's just the story of the who the Browns are, right? You just if you're betting on the money line of the Browns, it's always a big risk. So maybe consider taking somebody other than the Browns. The Browns this week have to play the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think anybody knows who's starting at their quarterback. So actually, maybe it's a good week uh, to bet the Browns on the money line bet. Um, if you don't want to do money line bets necessarily, there's a wide range of option spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I would. This is the part of the show where I would tell you to listen to the upcoming baseball action on your SiriusXM app, but... Womp womp, there's no Major League Baseball action until February, so you can't do that. But what you can do is you can listen to um, Hot Stove Radio on the MLB channel on SiriusXM. Just search MLB. I will be listening to that a lot as things start to heat up because um, MLB Network is, is kind of hit or miss on the things they can give you. And, you know, you got some people on there who are just kind of making up Jose Ramirez rumors and just for something to talk about, even though they're kind of bogus. Um, but the hot stove uh, shows and the serious XMF has a good MLB channel. Highly recommend that listening to all your work or on, on the, on the radio on your drive. I listen to that a lot just to get me through the ding and keep up on the baseball action. Very good. All right. Our first bit of action guardians acquire claim off waivers. Alfonso Rivas from the Pittsburgh pirates. This was a weird one. Didn't expect that. Uh, Rivas spent half the year last year with the Padres and only got eight at bats there. He got uh, 40, 40 games played in uh, with Pittsburgh last year. Not a very great season. Nothing really, nothing really spectacular here. This is a guy who actually strikes out a fair amount for the guy. The guardians would claim uh, 29% strikeout rate last year, 94 WRC plus nothing really special about this profile. got to be honest. He's uh, a first baseman who's 5'11, 190. He's, you know, built like Carlos Santana. And he does not hit like Carl Santana. Doesn't walk like him. Strikes out a ton more. Doesn't have power, uh, which really that isn't the shocking part, right? He doesn't have any power. But he's a first baseman who strikes out quite a bit. And he plays the outfield 
Like that that's about it. This is a very, very bizarre. He put I should say he plays some outfield. He played uh like a game in the outfield last year, not a lot. So I think we should probably use that term a little bit less lightly that he's an outfielder. He's really just a first baseman. It's a strange claim, but the way I look at it here is this. So you can, if you look at the Guardians depth chart in the minors, this is probably how you can interpret this move. Uh, first base is a giant wasteland in the system right now. It's bad. You have Mike Capriz in AAA. Obviously, if comments are right, the the option this and this is why you're going to hear us all off season long, and you've already heard us talk about this. That there's very few reasons that Kyle Manzaro should not be on the Guardians' opening day roster because unless they're going out and they're finding a proven hitter and they're using the DH spot as like an open rotation of players just to to find the best bat available to help the team out, there's very little argument why Kyle Manzaro should not be in Cleveland to start the season. No more of this. Oh, hitters don't do well in Cleveland in April. I, you know, I think we're we're past that. Look, you're going to hit, you're not going to hit in April. I know it's tough and it's with young hitters. Look, there is something to be said for that. I'm not to digress too much here, but there is something to be said for that. I, I do know someone who um, used to work for Cleveland back in the day and did some studies and would, you know, do some, run some numbers and some, actually more than just numbers, qualitative and quantitative data on players and when they're called up and, and when is the best time to call a player up doing a lot of research that way. And research did show um, that calling players up while they're doing well in AAA and giving them time to settle in there did have a positive impact. There was a correlation there. Um, <laughs> you know, some people maybe, maybe some people are Eddie Rosario who famously said, Oh, it's cold in Cleveland, even though Eddie Rosario played the majority of his career in, in uh, Minnesota first and had no problem sitting there. But, so there's very few, very little reason to have not have Kyle Manzardo on the opening day roster. We're going to talk about that a lot this offseason and going into the year. But among one of those reasons is first base is such a wasteland in the in the system. So uh, let's start at the top. If you have Manzardo starting in Cleveland to start next year, AAA, your options are Mike Caprice at first base or John Kenzie Noel. And I know some people are going to listen to this and say, well, John Kenzie Noel plays outfield or he plays third base. No, nope, 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 nope. I've seen John Kenzie Noel play third base. Can't happen. Just no. Unless he just makes a giant leap over this offseason. The last time I saw him play third base. And and I'll give him this. He was new to the position. It wasn't like uh, he was, you know, playing there for several years and it just it wasn't happening. Like he was new. He didn't play it a lot. So it's not like, you know, this is a guy who just never did, never or has been has not been playing there or has been playing there and just, you know. I'll give him the benefit of that doubt, but when I watched him, he was not a first base. He was not a third base, and he's not. Outfield, it's a little more passable. Like, you know, he's probably about the same as Oscar Gonzalez, maybe a little little worse. He definitely has a great throwing arm. There's no no question about Noel's throwing arm, but that's the same as Oscar. It's the same as Jonathan Rodriguez. Um, but really, Noel is a first baseman. He really is. He You can put him in other spots, but uh, you're not going to get he, – he is a good first baseman. Let me say that, too, about Noel. He is a good first baseman. He is a solid defender over there. He can actually play the position. He's not a, a statue at first base. It's everywhere else that's a problem unless he's making giant leaps over the offseason. Uh, but the last time I saw him at their positions was not not pretty. It's really just a, you know, 
third base just can't happen and it won't happen because you have Jose Ramirez and a bunch of other middle infielders who don't have positions anyway that you're trying to find room for. But outfield, yeah, you can stick him out there, I guess. And they put David Fry out there, but uh, first base is really where he he belongs. But anyway, they're trying to move him around. We'll probably have a lot of time this offseason to, to break down what's going to happen with John Kensington-Well because he is down to his last option next year. Um, so in two years, it's going to get interesting. But So you have Mike Capriz at first base in the minors who also plays outfield. But the catch is if Mike Capriz is not added to the 40-man roster this offseason, which we don't think he will be, no reason to, unfortunately, as much as I like Micah, uh, he is going to be a minor league free agent. So pretty easily on the surface level, this claim is – Hey, maybe Rivas can play AAA first base for us. And, you know, I, truthfully, I don't I don't expect Rivas to make it to spring training on the Guardians 40-man roster. I just don't think it's going to happen. I can already see this now. Um, if you want a little more on Rivas, I mean, there's really not much to dig in on here. Like, yeah, there's some there's some uh, ability to take a walk there. It looks like he had a high sweet spot percentage on, on Savant. Like, I don't know if I buy much into that. He didn't have a really high barrel rate. He doesn't get the ball in the air all that much. He doesn't pull the ball that much. It's a very bizarre approach. Anyway, this just looks like a lot of AAA filler. And if you look below that, like, you know, you got Joe Naranjo in in AA who didn't have a great year, and he's had to repeat uh, levels before, and he time to get adjusted. We'll see what happens there. He's going to be Rule 5 eligible next year. Um, I'm sorry, he's Rule 5 eligible this year. I lied. He is Rule 5 eligible right now. Uh, I don't expect him to be out of the 40-man roster either. But if someone takes him, you know, you're kind of in a, a hard place there. Bryce Ball, same thing. Bryce Ball was signed because Naranjo missed uh, part of the year this year with a broken wrist. And Ball played first base. He's got a ton of power but strikes out a ton. Uh, that's why Cleveland drafted C.J. Kafus in the draft this year. Because below that, you've got Will Bartlett. you got Junior San Quintin. You have Mike Colado, who I'm sorry doesn't inspire me either. It's just not a good position right now for the Guardians. It's pretty weak, which is, again, why they went after Kyle Manzardo. And you can say that, well, they were at, you know, Noel's playing other positions. If Cleveland really believed in Kyle Manzardo and John Kenzie Noel as the future at first base, I don't know if they're – look, that Aaron Savali trade, go back to that. You're, to get, you're trying to get the best player you can no matter what. Okay, you're trying to get the best – especially a hitter. You're trying to get the best hitter you can regardless of position. You figure everything else out. Just get the hitter. You'll find a spot for him. But I don't think, you know, if, if John Kinsenwell was truly the future of first base for Cleveland, I don't think uh, you're blocking him by acquiring Kyle Manzardo. Just saying. Um, but this is not really the episode where I meant to to hate all over John Kinsenwell. Because I, I love John Kinsenwell. He is a funny dude. He's a big dude. He's a lovable dude. He gets the crap out of the ball. Um, so that's we'll, – we'll cover our position reviews this offseason. We'll cover first base, and we can talk more about this. But on the on the surface of this, this Rebos claim – is look, he's got an option left. He can play first base, and Guardians need some cover in the minors at first base because they might be without a first baseman at AAA. Because I think Naranjo is going to repeat AA, and I don't know if you're going to move Bryce Ball up or not. I don't know. Anyway, they need some position coverage because they got a bunch of guys who are going to be are going to be minor league free agents. Daniel Schneeman, I think, is a minor league free agent. They got some of the Rule Five guys. Probably won't get taken, but. This just looks like a depth move to me. And and here's the other thing, too. Tanner Bybee's got to come off the 60-day IL. Cleveland's roster is at 39. Um, you know, yeah, they're going to – they're that's subtracting uh, – they're going to – look, they're going to be at 40 here very soon because you're – I'm sorry, they're at 39 with this claim and having Bybee because um, Giolito and Lopez and Calhoun are already off the roster because they're free agents as of yesterday. 
So the roster's at 39 with Rivas, the way things are set up. Bybee's off the IL, all that stuff, because he's going to have to be. So I don't see him making it to spring training with, with on the Guardians 40-man roster. I mean, they'll hope to pass him through waivers. You do it. You, you do it after teams have set their 40-man roster. They don't want to claim somebody ahead of the Rule 5 draft, and you sneak them through and hope to get them to spring training that way. We'll see what happens, but this really looks like that on the, on the surface, and we'll see. If not, if they don't, they'll find another way. You, you'll probably see them take a first baseman in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft, just to be honest with you, to cover their bases, because it's a really empty position right now. So welcome to Cleveland, Alfonso Rios, probably more likely – Welcome to Columbus, Alfonso Rivas. Um, all right, three things the Guardians can learn and everybody can learn from the world champion Texas Rangers coming up. And once again, before we get to that, SiriusXM app. Again, no no games to listen to, obviously, that's a bummer, but uh, the MLB channel on SiriusXM does have good content in the offseason. Uh, like I said, talking about the hot stove and all the moves, all that good stuff. Uh, definitely a worthwhile channel. If you got Sirius XM, uh, if you're not already listening to that, then I highly recommend it because it'll get you through the off season. And again, let me know what do you what do you guys like to do in the off season? What do you are you, are you diehard baseball fan? I should be listening to the show. You're a diehard baseball fan, at least, you know, like us. And what gets you through the off season? Baseball movies, other sports, other activities. What is getting you through? the off season. And more importantly, how can we help you get through the off season? Cause you know, we cover your, we cover the guardians every day. We're going to be here every day moving into December and a uh, l- little bit in January. And then once things pick up in February, I'll be here every day as well. So let us know what we can do to get you through the off season. We've got a ton of stuff planned. Truthfully, we've got, um, you know, positional reviews. We're going to talk about trade matches. We're hoping to talk to one of the guardians scouts this off season. We've got some draft people we're going to talk to, We've got some uh, data and analytics people we want to talk to. We're going to try to have Tanner Bybee on again uh, this offseason because we want to talk about his rookie year. So got award season coming up, too. That'll be all fun to talk about. So we've got a lot of stuff. So hopefully all it sounds good to you guys, but let us know if there's anything else uh, you want us to talk about more to get you through the offseason. All right, three things that the Guardians and really all of baseball can learn from the world champion <clears throat> Texas Rangers. One of them is not going to be Austin Hedges fashion sense. I don't think uh, anybody needs to learn where to find a pair of bottomless rear endless chaps. Nobody needs that. I mean, look, only Austin Hedges can, can pull it off same way. He has Queens fat bottom girls. This is walk up song. Only a few guys can pull it off more power to him. I'll be watching, but, uh, I don't think anybody needs to, to learn from that. Anyway, okay. Texas Rangers winning the World Series is a good thing for baseball. A, it's it's obviously a team that has never won a World Series before, so that's good. It's a little bit of parity, right? Um, look, they spend a lot of money. And the one thing you could say about sports, and, and really this is any sport. A lot of people like to say the NFL is a copycat league, but all sports are copycat leagues. If, if one team's having success doing something one way, if it's not something you're trying, then you should be trying it at least, or you should be discussing if you're going to try it or how you can, you know, modify it to your, to your franchise, your organization. Um, every, every team does this. So let's start with spending money. Money buys insurance, right? 
The Rangers obviously went out on a spending spree. They got two years ago, Corey Seager and Marcus Semyon. Corey Seager is now a two-time World Series MVP. Great player in his prime. Marcus Semyon, great hitter in his prime on the market, too. Offseason this year, they go out and they get Jacob DeGrom, and they get Nate Evaldi, and they get Andrew Heaney. And Andrew Heaney, to a less effect, was really, you know, whatever. More than that, though, you see what happened to them in the World Series. Okay, so they lose Jacob DeGrom, right? Everyone thinks their season's in the tank at that point. They persevere. Um, they even traded for, you know, Corey Seager obviously went in the IL for a little bit too It's at one point this year. Jonah Heim, well, their all-star catcher on the IL for a little bit this year. Their rookie third baseman, Josh Young, all-star on the IL for a little bit this year. They persevere. They went out and they traded for Max Scherzer with, uh, you know, Ronald Cunha's brother. Now, granted, the reason that they gave him up is because the Mets are willing to pay a ton of money to Max Scherzer to extract a good prospect, which again, money buys insurance. You want to get the best prospect. Um, and they lost Scherzer again in the postseason. They lost Adolis Garcia in the postseason. Evan Carter had a lot to do with why they figured it out, but money buys you insurance. It buys you margin for error. Um, I never thought the guardians would spend a hundred million plus on Jose Ramirez or even Andre Jimenez. Um, it's a good start. I never thought they'd get there. So do I hope that they're going to spend more money? I do. Do I believe it? I don't know. I also never believed Jose Ramirez was going to stick here long-term. That took a special circumstance. I don't know if I would have believed a year later they were giving Andre Semenez a $100 million deal. If you would have told me that, I probably wouldn't have believed you, and they did. Um, up for debate whether or not that money is worth it or or if it's going to pan out. I mean, he was okay this year, but that's for another debate another day. The point is they thought that's what they took to retain him. That's what it did take to get him to sign long-term. I never thought Cleveland would do those things. Hopefully they can build on that. And obviously I've talked about in the previous episode, how this ballpark village thing is going to, a lot of that's going to rest on uh, how the guardians approach payroll in the David Blitzer era. I don't think it's going to be, you know, TV money is obviously drying up. It's not good. You saw what's going on with the Padres, the Cleveland, the twins, all that's going to be a rough situation. TV money is not going to drive payroll anymore. Um, so that's why this, I said, is these, the, um, Ballpark Village thing is going to be so crucial for Cleveland's future revenue and payroll. But, you know, a little bit of money goes a long way. I'm not saying you got to go out and you got to spend $400-$500 million on a shortstop and a second base, but you don't. But if if you're a team that's run like Cleveland, which you already do a lot of things well, money can supplement so many things. You know, it buys you margin for error when guys like Jacob DeGrom go down and Adolis Garcia goes down and Max Scherzer goes down, all those things. Money buys you margin for error. Even in the playoffs, it buys you margin for error. It allows you to overcome injuries and things like that. So um, just a little bit of money would go a long way. And I hope every team sees that, is that buying good players is still important. It's not You don't got to go out and you don't got to spend $500 million because that would be stupid. Um, the Rangers spent on the right things. So I'm not saying just because a free agent's there, you should spend money wildly into the wind. But it's important to go out there and spend money to give yourself that that little bit of wiggle room, especially if you're a franchise that is lacking in certain positions like outfield or first base, whatever. So money buys you margin for error. Another thing that Guardians can learn from the Rangers and all Major League Baseball, deep lineups matter. I think a lot of teams figured this out. That's why the Astros have been so good. That's why the Dodgers have been so good. That's why the Rangers were so good. That's why the Phillies were so good last year. Deep lineups win in October. You cannot give – look, pitching gets so good in October. It does. Um, pitching's good all year. But if you want to win in the postseason, 
you need a lineup where you're eight guys deep. You just do. I mean, really nine even, but at the very least eight. You've got to not give pitchers a break. You can't uh, let guys take innings off. You can't let teams put their their fifth best reliever in for an inning because you've got a soft spot in, in the order coming up. You just can't. You have to have a deep lineup. Again, the Rangers survived not having Adolis Garcia for half this World Series. He was their ALCS MVP. He was an incredible hitter. He missed time at the end of the regular season. Then he missed time in the postseason. This guy wasn't unstoppable, but guess what? You had Corey Seager. You had Evan Carter. You had Marcus Semyon. You had Jonah Heim. Leody Tavares was pretty good. Nathaniel Lowe was pretty good. You gotta have a deep lineup. You gotta have gotta have those guys. So uh Cleveland's got a long way to go to get there. You've got Jose, you've got Josh, you've got Bo, you've got um Andre Semenez, Juan's fine. You hope you got Carl Manzardo, but you're you're not anywhere near close to what the Rangers, the Phillies, the Dodgers, the Astros are. They've got a ways to build. Um, hopefully they know that. There's a lot of teams out there that should realize that. That's why, you know, someone asked me, I did an interview before the playoffs started, and someone said, would it be a bigger surprise for the Braves, the Orioles, for the Orioles to get to the World Series, the Braves not to? And I said, be a bigger surprise for the Orioles to get there because I wasn't, I didn't think the Braves, I thought the Phillies could knock out the Braves because they're good in the postseason. All right, the last thing, timing is random variance. Um, remember all off, all second half, we, we griped about the, bar, the Guardians bullpen, right? It was bad. It was bad. They made some very, they had a lot of hiccups. The Rangers bullpen, 5-0-1 ERA in the second half. They could not hold a lead. That series they had against the, the Twins, they couldn't hold a lead. We all got mad at them. Well, guess what? In the World Series, in three of the four wins they had, their bullpen gave up one run. One run. That's a bad bullpen in the second half. They gave up one run in the World Series in three of their four wins. The other, other, other game they won, uh, they gave up six garbage time runs, cut into their deep offense and their deep lineup for giving them that cushion. Timing is everything. That was a bad bullpen in the second half. Both the Rangers and the Guardians were bottom 10 bullpens in the second half. The Dodgers, the Brewers, the Mar- uh, the Mariners, the Phillies, the Orioles, the Astros were the top six bullpens in the second half. Gone. The Rangers were the worst playoff team bullpen in the second half. Their bullpen was great in the World Series. So if you got the guys, you just need the timing. So timing is everything. Get in. All right. Running out of time for the show. I want to thank you guys for listening all week. Really appreciate it. Get those numbers up. Download, rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. AFL Fall Stars weekend is this weekend in Arizona. Uh, Kyle Manzardo will be in the Home Run Derby on Saturday. No chase the lottery, even though he probably deserved it. Um, we'll see if he makes the all-star team. Ryan Webb had six strikeouts the other day in AFL action. I don't think he's getting the nod, but we'll see what happens. He didn't have a, a good uh, game numbers-wise from it, runs given up. But Kyle Manzardo certainly will be there. I think Chase Lauder will be in the actual game. It usually is a popularity contest, not a performance contest, so we'll see. But uh, AFL All-Stars weekend, if you're looking for some baseball and some minor league stuff and prospect stuff, that'll be streamed on uh, MLB.com. So look for that stuff out there. You can follow me on Twitter to find that information there and tune in next week. We'll talk about silver sluggers next week for the guardians and we'll get started on off season mode. We'll have a manager next week. I'm going to bet on that manager next week. Thanks for listening to lockdown guardians and go, go guardians. Go.